KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, kpfa.org. Stay tuned for Cover to Cover. To America, that is cover to cover open book. I am your host for the next half hour. My name is Javelin, and as always, you are my co-host and join in to call if you have questions for my guests. And what a wonderful day it is to have a guest. Tanya Amos is here with us today. She is bringing you the theme of what you just heard, Coming to America by James Brown, is the theme of the June 19th, Juneteenth Day celebration that she is going to share with you in a few moments, the details, and you'll be able to call in and ask her questions. She's a dancer. She is a woman of the world. She's curious. She's loving. And of all the people, and it sounds like we may be having some technical difficulties. I hope they straighten it out in a moment. But if you want to call in and join and ask Tanya questions, then you will call 510-848-4425. And if you're outside of the 510 area code, then you call 800-958-9008. And for information on this event that Tanya is going to talk to you about, you can call. She's, she runs a, a dance company called Grown Women dance.org so you can go on your computer look that up and find out what you're talking about you grown women sitting out there and the number that you would call is 925-680-4400 so let's welcome tanya welcome to the show thank you so much for having me here i'm glad you're here today and we was talking a few moments ago in regards to my angelo passing today her being a dancer, you have an opportunity to have met her and danced with her. And one of the things I read this morning that she says as a writer is that she tries to write poetry that off to the lines of a dancer. So how appropriate for you to be here today. Tell us about uh, the time you were able to spend with her. Well, first of all, I'd like to say that that Miss Angelou was and will always be a huge inspiration. Um, she was an incredible activist for women, for people of color, um, for the arts, for dance, for music, for poetry. She was really a Renaissance woman, and what she brought to this earth and what she left behind um, will impact us for many, many generations to come. Um, I was very blessed many years ago. I was dancing with uh, Cleo Parker Robinson Dance Ensemble in Colorado, and we had our 25th anniversary, and she was a huge supporter of dance and the arts, and she came in and participated as part of our celebration. Um, we got to do some work with her. Her hugs were amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, this wasn't actually with her, but this was, was her work. I was actually on a cruise, and um, there were some young rappers that wanted to get together and do a collaboration. 
and their song was based on Still I Rise by Maya yeah. Angelou. And rappers on uh, cruises aren't necessarily what you expect to see in a talent show. And the audience started out stunned and confused, and through dance, through music, through her poetry, there were incredible breakthroughs cross-culturally and cross-generationally. People in the audience came up to us afterwards with tears in their eyes and said to us, I have never listened to rap, that rap music, ever, and I never have heard that poetry before and when that was put together with the dance I actually understood it I actually got it um, so her poetry was was transformational for many many people and I was very very honored to be able to share in part of that journey absolutely and this also is about what you're doing on Juneteenth Day mm -hmm. you're celebrating artists that have impacted our world not just domestically but globally tell us about that absolutely time. so we're grown women dance collective we are all retired dancers in our 40s and 50s. Most of us are ex-Alvin Ailey and dancer of Harlem trained dancers. Our drummer is 86 years old. Uh, Elaine Jones was the first African American and first woman to play for the New York Metropolitan Opera. She was also the first African American to play for the San Francisco Symphony. And it was her lawsuit and her pushing and kicking those doors in, which paved the way for, in the entire world now, when people audition for symphonies, they do it behind a screen in order to be heard and not seen. Um, and this is how she, she got that job, um, through lots of fighting and lots of advocating for us. Uh, she's playing with us for the second year. She's honoring Mary McKeeba with her timpani. Oh, my goodness. And I was so blown away at the end of the concert. This, this woman who's traveled around the world has done incredible things. That has two pages written about her in the Musician's Handbook in New York City. A law was actually named after her. She grabbed my hand after the concert, and she said to me, I've been waiting my entire life for this show. I was humbled. Yeah, humbled uh, by that. Complete sense. Right. And this is your fourth... This is our fifth year. Fifth our year. fifth year. And what we do is we honor about 35 African-American musical artists who've died since 2000. So Lena Horne, Luther Vandross, James Brown, Michael Jackson, Nina Simone, uh, um, Jam Master Jay from Run DMC. And we have this incredible multimedia talking about their lives, the barriers that they've broken, um, the history that they've made, the way they've impacted not only American culture, African American culture, but world culture. Because these people, no matter what little tiny corner of the world you're in, they have been affected by these people's music and their, by their messages. So, we produce this incredible concert where we fly in dancers from mostly New York City, but also down south. One of the dancers, Andrea Sayel, comes in from Mexico City. And through dance and history and music, we honor these incredible ancestors that were standing on their shoulders 
uh, and it's an incredible, incredible, fun, uplifting, family-friendly. It sounds like it's, uh, you're listening to Tanya Amos, and she's talking about her dance company and the Juneteenth event that's happening where they're celebrating artists that impact the world. So if you want to join in the conversation, ask any questions, please do as my co-host. And the number to call again is 510-848-4425. Tanya, um, tell us about how you came into dance yourself well as most little girls at one point we read a book about ballet and fell in love or we saw something on tv and fell in love so when i was four years old i used to spin around in my living room and i'd say to my mommy i want to take ballet i want to take ballet so she brought me to ballet class i was a little shocked that i didn't get to wear tutu <laughs> black tights uh, pink tights black leotard no tutu um and so i began as, as a young girl unfortunately this was in the 70s in San Francisco where um, some of the barriers that we are still trying very hard to kick down in the dance community were still very, very um, in force. So although I excelled um, in ballet, I was never actually allowed to perform on stage in the 70s and the early 80s in the Bay Area. I had never actually seen another African-American dancer until I was 14 years old. So... um, Fast forwarding, and in college at UC Berkeley, Alvin Ailey came through, Dancer of Harlem came through, Garth Fagan came through, Bill T. Jones came through. And first of all, there were all these beautiful African-American dancers on stage. I didn't know that anybody even looked like me existed. And then some of the political things that were happening on stage were mind-blowing. So Bill T. Jones, Uncle Tom Cabin, um, there's a point where where a dancer is lifted by her heels and stripped from the waist down and beaten on stage and the the devastation the tears the confusion all of these things happened in the audience and and it hit me that the arts have this incredible way of changing humanity having a way of impacting who we are as human beings and at that moment i knew i needed to do that so Two weeks after I graduated from college, I ran off to New York City with $200 in my pocket. No place to live, no job. I tell people, do not try this at home. But I was hard-headed. I was armed with my UC Berkeley degree and my uh, American Express card. I figured if it got really bad, I could come home. And I was hard-headed. And I showed up. Alvin Ailey gave me a full scholarship. Uh, I stayed for four years. And from then, I transitioned um, into a whole bunch of contemporary companies, into musical theater, toured internationally, um, did some fitness modeling at the end of my career, and then came home. And when I got home, this is home. I love home. home. But I looked around, and we still haven't quite got to where we need to with the arts. And there's this huge opportunity for the arts like I said, to change who we are as human beings. Well, let's slow this up for a second. Yeah. Tell, share with me what that means to you. Mm-hmm. You're back home. Yes. And the arts have not gotten mm-hmm. to where you think mm-hmm. they should be. And I happen to agree with you, and I'm sure okay. many listeners do as well. Yeah. But tell us what that means. Okay. So, first of all, in the dance world, most of us retire very young. Most of us retire in our early 20s, maybe mid to late 20s, and then a few people struggle on into their 30s or maybe 40s, but the majority of people retire very young. So what happens is you have these people with these incredible experiences, and they're not able really to pass them down um, 
to the next generation if they've had very short careers. They've had short careers, and they were great careers, but they haven't necessarily developed to the point that they can really impact people. The longer you dance, the longer that you're in a field, the more exposure you have to the world. Um, so what's happened in our case is most of us had very long careers, 15, 20 years. So we're considered grandmothers in the field. Um, and we had so much that we wanted to share with the next generation. We wanted to make dance accessible to diverse peoples, to make dance accessible in a way that people could come to the theater that had maybe never come to the theater before and actually get what we were doing, for them to be impacted by the arts, to get them, have them attack, impacted by history, have them impacted by cross-cultural interactions. And this concert does that. I've never been in a theater where four-year-olds stand in front of their seat the entire time and dance because they're having so much fun they can't sit down. And a part of that is that there's not a lot of opportunities when you go see performance mm -hmm. that it gives the wiggle room for people to engage in their bodies and be interactive with the art. Exactly. It's so that restriction, it sounds like, uh, your work, your performance, your opportunities opens that space that if you're exactly. experiencing it in your body, do, do what it. you got to do. Do what you got to do. And we rent our own theater for that purpose. You rent so, your own theater for that purpose. Grandma's got her hand up like she's in church, and the teenagers stop texting. Okay. <laughs> We're going to take a music break, and we, when we come back, I want you to call in and ask any questions you want to. This is exciting to hear about the work. And I want to ask a couple more questions in regards to, first of all, where exactly where it's going to be. So get your pencils and papers or put it into your phone, however you um, need to do that. We'll find out that information. We'll find out more content that's going on with the concert. And then I have another question for Tanya that um, uh, I, if I heard it right, 14 and then college but there's a window of time that was happening there and i'm going to be curious to find out what was going on so stay tuned if you want to call remember you're listening to tanya amos and the number to call is 510-848-4425 here's a music break enjoy
Welcome back to Cover to Cover Open Book. I'm your host, Javelin Richards, and you're listening to Tanya Amos and uh, Juneteenth event that she's put on for the last four years, and she's going to tell us more about that. And again, uh, call in if you like to, and uh, she would appreciate, and I'd appreciate if there's anything you want to add to this conversation that I actually just may miss out on. So, Tanya, you have people that are, are supporting this event Yes, we do. We are so happy. For the last five years, we've been doing this completely on our own for the love of it, for the need of doing something positive in the community. This year, we are so happy. People are starting to notice and step forward. We have uh, amazing sponsors, um, Diablo Valley, defying expectations, Diablo Valley, defying expectations, Um, and there are new um, tourism board in Concord where they're excited for people to come to Concord, stay in Concord, and really enjoy this incredible performance. And they've made it really easy for people because they've set up um, stay-over packages so people can come and have a great time and enjoy this show. Really? Yes. Um, and that's worth saying again. Where does... It's <laughs> Diablo Valley defying expectations. And so they can Google that to yes, get all the details? Google that. They can also contact my organization, grownwomendance.org, and they've set up packages where you can stay at either the Concord Hilton or the Crown Crown Plaza Hilton, stay, have dinner, go to the show, have breakfast. They've set up some really nice packages. Um, AT&T just bought a block of of seats for low-income children. Yay. And that makes me so happy. Exposing <laughs> young people to the arts is so wonderful. Yeah. So I think when I look at my phone bill tonight, I'm going to smile at AT&T. <laughs> and then Travis Credit Union has been so wonderful, not only stepping forward to help us find sponsors, but be really, really active in the community. They do some really great work. So I'm so excited that people are starting to recognize what we're doing as important. It's a perfect blend of education and the arts. So it's entertainment, but every single person that walks out learns about the history of Juneteenth, learns about about dance, music, and who we are as Americans. And the people that you're honoring that impacted the world, as you said, domestically and globally. All of those people had struggles, and all of those people had incredible contributions to push us forward as a nation. And in your own life, as you said, at 14, you were in the dance world and you, wasn't, you weren't having opportunities that you thought it, that you should have. Right. And then you go to college. But something happened there. In between. In between. <laughs> so actually, I was, I was 13 years old and um, I was a ballet dancer. And at 13, you start to realize what you look like. You start realizing where you quote fit in in the world as far as a person of color as far as a female and I I say these are the kind of the racial shame years when things start hitting you really heavily and I was always the only African-American dancer in any of my classes I had no role models Um, and some teachers were kind to me most were not Um, but one teacher bless her she did not realize how impactful this was on a 13 year old but she told me that my hair was too ethnic and to not come back until i did something with my ethnic hair really devastating me i never told my mom until i was about 20 something years old um and i just didn't go back to ballet and for for two years my mother kept saying why aren't you going to ballet you love ballet and i was like mommy i just don't want to go i was so ashamed um and so all of those years passed. Those were very formative years. As dancers, most of us can't take off seven years. But 
luckily my parents had found us the best ballet education possible. So when I went back as an adult, I was able to excavate all of that training. And then when I moved to Newark, Alvin Ailey saw something and thought that I was um, worth training and I am forever forever grateful for them taking that that chance on me and and helping me um find this gift that i knew i had and the reason i brought that up because i knew that you and i had an opportunity to share time on the phone and i brought that up not just as the nosy neighbor knock knock <laughs> what you up to at 14 but i brought it up because it feels like this is the theme of your work the theme of people who have changed the world that are changing the world and it that that impacted you deeply mm-hmm. and you moved into the world with those emotions as a girl as a woman of color girl mm-hmm. of color moved into the world and then was reintroduced to your passion of dance mm-hmm. through people on stage that looked like you mm-hmm. and even more than that they was telling stories of how the world was made up absolutely and then now fast forward you're back home as you said mm-hmm. and things have ch- has not changed the way you want and you're still pushing to make things happen. I'm hard-headed. You're hard- I am hard-headed. Isn't that the best of it? <laughs> right. So, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I'm hoping there's hard-headed folks out there yeah. listening now that would want to... How can people that are listening that is connecting to your story mm-hmm. that says, you know what, I do want to go, I do want to be a part of it, and I also want to help. Mm. They may have daughters, sons, people who also that they want to see that right. the world is so rich and so wonderful. Somebody that may be 90, that is listening and saying, I'm going to this because the drummer... It's 86 years old. Okay. <laughs> How can people help? Um, help. There's a few things they, they can do. One thing is please tell all of your friends, all of your family about this incredible celebration. What I often hear is, oh, I'm not interested in dance. And this concert isn't even about dance. Dance is the vehicle or the modality to create cross-cultural, cross-generational bridges. It's dance. It's music. It's American history and it's African-American culture. People come, they see it, they fall in love with it. They come back next year with five people. And these five people say, I've never been to a dance concert and I had no idea. So tell all of your friends in order to buy tickets, you can go to grownwomendance.org. And if you click on that, you will see there's a Pleasant Hill show on June 27th on a Friday and a Pittsburgh show on Saturday the 28th. And if you call, Tanya has brought two tickets to mm. give away. And Absolutely. so we'll take the, pick a number, Tanya. Pick um, a, actually, ask your partner. Pick yeah. a number. He's in the studio with us, kind of hanging out in the back. Put, give me a sign of a number. That number caller is going to win the tickets. What number? Pick your, one of your favorite numbers. Number three. Lucky the third number call, three. Lucky number three, if you call 510-848-4425, you get two tickets to the uh, Juneteenth celebration. What is the meaning of Juneteenth? Juneteenth is the celebration of liberation from slavery in the African-American community. Um, We were freed, in quotes, by the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. And it wasn't for two and a half years that word got to us in Galveston, Texas. So this is when the Union soldiers now outnumber the Confederate soldiers enough to be able to actually, quote, end this in Texas. So it was a spontaneous celebration. 
that spread from plantation to plantation and over the years has spread from state to state and is now celebrated all over the world. Mm, so there you have the meaning of that. Yes. What are some of the other things, the other uh, people you'll be celebrating in the arts? That, um, or anything else you want to mention yes. in our lives? Yes. I want to tell you two things. So one thing, another way people can help is we have an Indiegogo campaign. Ah, that's right. The name of the show is the fifth annual, fifth annual Fallen Heroes Rising Stars, a Juneteenth celebration through dance. So Indiegogo would be very, very helpful. Uh, What is the amount that you're trying to raise? um, We are going for 6,000 on Indiegogo. And um, we are fiscally sponsored by by Dancers Group, which means um, donations are tax deductible. Um, my favorite piece I'm very partial to, I dance Dance With My Father by Luther Vandross, oh. and I dance it with my 69-year-old ex-basketball-playing daddy. It is wonderful. <laughs> yes, yes. Never had a dance class in his life, and I love it. We have a Run DMC duet done by Aaliyah Hassan and Daniel Marshall coming up from San Diego. It's a Run DMC piece done in point shoes. We have a Michael Jackson solo uh, done by Michael Medcalf, who is a professor in Alabama. We have Christina Gonzalez-Sanchez coming up from UC Berkeley to dance Lena Horne. We have Andrea Seidel Duran coming in from Mexico City to dance Whitney Houston. Mindy Haywood does Ray Charles. Renee Monique Brown does... James, I said James, Ray Charles, Ray Charles and James Brown, I mix those two up. And again, Elaine Jones honors Miriam McKeeba on the timpani. This is an incredible evening of dance, music, American history. It's accessible to young people, old people, and everybody in between. How did you, how did you get everyone to jump? I mean, you have such a diverse group of people coming from different places so that it says it's something very important. Very very important. did you do that? So in 2009, I got together with some really fab- fabulous friends, Michelle Ned, Marissa Castillo, and Eurydice Ross, and we formed Grown Women Dance Collective. And the idea is to bring incredible artists that are grown, we are grown, grown. to create work that is accessible and diverse um, and accessible to diverse people. So... We just put the word out. We have a huge network. We danced many, many years professionally. And I pick up the phone or I go on Facebook and I say, okay, which ex-Alvinaley trained and ex-dancer of Harlem trained dancers want to come out and celebrate the ancestors, create community, and build bridges? And they come. And so, and obviously, there's a part of them that is still wanting to, as you said, to teach what they know to be true, all that knowledge that they have. And one thing that we hear from the dancers that come, these are people that we've all been on stage thousands and thousands of times. We've all toured internationally, but when they walk into the theater, the energy you can actually feel it. It stands up on your on your arms, on the back of your neck, and it's beautiful. We have never been in an environment where people from affluent communities sit next to low-income people, and within 20 minutes, 25 minutes, the music is a great equalizer. People start humming, people start rocking, people start singing along with the music. They say, "I got married to that song. I mean, I named my baby after that song." People come and say that maybe have never even heard of Juneteenth before. I thought I was coming to see a dance concert. I had no idea. Thank you for teaching my family about this history. And then other folks that already know Juneteenth say, well, when we were kids, we celebrated this. I had forgotten how important this was. And through this celebration, I'm going to make sure we re-implement this celebration as a family. So these dancers that come from all over the United States and from Mexico City 
come in to celebrate, to be part of this, and they say to me time and time again, this is the most incredible experience of my dance career, and I am very, very honored to be able to present this right here in the Bay Area. And where is the venue at again? On Friday, June 27th, we are at the Diablo Valley College Theater in Pleasant Hill, Mm -hmm. 8 p.m. show. And on Saturday, June 28th, at the California Theater, in Pittsburgh at 8 p.m. And I also remember doing when you and I had an opportunity to talk. You said that at some point you want to bring it over to in this area, in, in Berkeley, Oakland area. Yeah, it's, that's part it's of what just you're about um, finding the resources to do that. Basically, all of these years we've been doing this on our own. Um, it's amazing, but it's a very, very large, expensive project, and we do the very best we can to cobble together the pennies, and as I said, this year, we've actually had people step in to help us, so we're very thankful. I'm very happy for you as well. You've been listening to Tanya Amos, and she will be uh, celebrating. You can go to her website, grownwomendance.org, or 925-680-4400, and if you still want to call, we still have two tickets for you. You've been listening to Dobbin Richards, cover to cover. I'll see you at another time. Thank you. You're welcome. years, a new systemic conception of life has emerged in the forefront of science. Fritjof Capra can describe it. Physicist and systems theorist, founding director of the Center for Ecoliteracy, author of the Tao of Physics, The Hidden Connections, Belonging to the Universe, Capra has won many prestigious awards, including the Bioneers. He will discuss his major new work, The System's View of Life, A Unifying Vision, on Thursday, June 26th at St. John's Church, 2727 College Avenue in Berkeley. Mitch Jesrich will host this KPFA benefit. There's wheelchair access. Advanced tickets are at brownpapertickets.com or supportive bookstores. Further information on the KPFA website. For Fritjof Capra's Unifying Vision, June 26th.